0: Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about giving you the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and a person with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. who have succeeded in their fields i like listening to this podcast because i like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences one episode i'm super excited to dive into is the latest one lead generation journey with glenville dixon jr listen to latinx empower wherever you get your podcasts luna was born when we lived in argentina Soon after, I had to register her birth with the U.S. consulate so we could establish her U.S. citizenship and get her passport. During that process, I found myself struggling and confused when it came to filling out her paperwork, particularly in the parts where I had to select her race and her ethnicity. I checked that, yes, she was Latino from an ethnicity standpoint and checked the Black African-American box for race. I'd filled out forms like these plenty of times before for myself and rarely gave any thought to the questions or why they were asked that way. I'm non-Latino and I'm Black. Simple. But filling these forms out seemed a bit more complicated for me when it came to my new family. Back in 2020, when we were going through the visa process for Jonathan in preparation for our move to the U.S., when I had to fill out the forms for him, it was really weird for me. Is Jonathan Latino? Yep, absolutely. Race? Ooh, that one was a little trickier. What was I supposed to check? White? When it comes to ethnicity, they say, are you Hispanic or are you Latino? Is Jonathan Latino? Yes, absolutely. But then whenever we get to race, it was a little trickier. The options are Native Hawaiian? Nope. Jonathan's not Native Hawaiian. Alaska Native? Nope. Asian? Nope. American Indian? Nope. Black African American? Nope. Nope. Other Pacific Islander, nope. And the last category that was left was white. Was I supposed to check white? In my mind, Jonathan is Latino. He's Argentine. But checking a box to say he was white just felt odd, especially since that's not how Jonathan identifies. I had to go and look up the definitions of race and ethnicity to get a better understanding. Turns out when it came to my husband, I always thought about his ethnicity and nationality race wasn't really a part of the equation. Perhaps it was because at that point in time, the duration of our relationship had been in Argentina, where race wasn't top of mind for us the way it is here in the U.S. The Argentine government doesn't collect data around race and ethnicity either. So for him, the concept felt foreign as well. In case you need a refresher, race, according to Merriam-Webster, is a category of humankind that shares certain distinctive physical traits. As according to the U.S. Census, a person classified as white is someone having origins of any of the original peoples of Europe, the Middle East, or North Africa. Ethnicity, on the other hand, is broader in that it categorizes people according to their cultural expression and identification. So grappling with these questions of identity is nothing new, especially when it comes to census data and official government documents. In the 2020 census, the number of Puerto Ricans that identified as white dropped nearly 80%. Nearly 50% of those who participated identified themselves as two races or more. From 1960 to 2000, Puerto Rico conducted their own census and didn't ask questions about race or ethnicity. As I was looking more into this, I came across an article that was talking about how people in Puerto Rico were responding to that. People were actually writing in, I'm not any race. I'm part of the human race. Like, they were just like, why do you even need these questions? So the U.S. government says that they collect race and ethnicity data to assist them and making policy decisions, particularly for civil rights. Now, different governments have different philosophies on this matter. France and Germany, for instance, do not collect this data, although many have called for them to do so, so they can get real numbers on injustices that occur. As a society, it seems that we often like to put people in various categories. Sometimes those categorizations and any data associated with them can be good if it helps us better serve people. But the challenge is, too often, categorizations aren't quite right. People don't so cleanly fit into the buckets that have been established. As a result, harm can be caused in a variety of different ways, including emotionally. That's why, as a brand, it's essential for you to think carefully about identity and what types of categorizations are necessary as you work to build an inclusive brand. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges with categories and labels. Now, I've always admired people who have their pantries organized and labeled. Everything is easy to find and in order, and it looks like an efficient way to find and store what you need. But people aren't like bags of rice, oatmeal, or pasta. We're much more complex than that. We have a number of intersectionalities, preferences, and even identities. And because of that, the way we view and experience the world And subsequently engage with brands are influenced by those various identities as such the categorizations and labels don't always do what they're intended to do for instance i'm an entrepreneur a wife a mom and a black woman that combination makes me like other people in those groups but at the same time i have plenty of differences we speak spanish in our home my husband is an immigrant we have a biracial child i battle autoimmune disorders i'm left-handed Actually, fun fact, Jonathan and I are both left-handed. The things that concern me and my family are different because of the many identities and labels that we have. We fit into a bunch of different boxes. There are plenty of other people who have multiple identities and labels that cause the issues that concern them and their families to be different from me, you, and the people you know. So intersectionality, that's one issue. Another issue is, Grouping people that don't have shared experiences. This can be super problematic. Over the past couple of years, the term BIPOC, which means Black, Indigenous, or a person of color, has increased in popularity. However, there are plenty of people who fall within this category that don't like the term. I have friends, and we've had endless conversations about just how they hate it. Um, and whenever they hear the term or hear people reference BIPOC, they you know make a noise to say, hey, I'm Black. Um, because the experiences that people have as people who are part of an indigenous population are very different from the black community or other people of color. So it's hard to just kind of lump us all together into one group. So I totally get the argument. And then there are others who were often considered to be a person of color, but who don't even think of themselves in that way. I remember I was doing some research for a client last year and I was interviewing, I was doing some voice of the customer interviews And we were trying to get some race-based data. And I remember asking a couple of the respondents, hey, do you consider yourself a person of color? And, you know, they hesitated. They're like, I know that that's what um, I'm lumped into that group, but that's not really how I refer to myself. Another challenge when lumping various groups of people into one category is that their individual identities and the experiences associated with them get lost, especially if there are certain stereotypes or assumptions associated with the larger group that may be true for some, but not all. I remember I was doing a conference late last year and it was a conference that was based in Europe. So as I was doing the back and forth in preparation with the event organizer and she reviewed my slides, she wanted to make sure that I actually incorporated a specific example where I was talking about this very thing where um, she noted that a lot of times when people are grouping or thinking about people from Eastern Europe, they just group them into this one category, people from Eastern Europe, but they rarely think about the individual countries and the pride and the nationality that people have for their individual countries. They get tired of feeling like, oh, it's just Eastern Europeans in, in the case that people were describing them. And it just sort of erased Who they are individually as people from a group of countries. So that wasn't something that I was as familiar with, but it was an important distinction that this happens a lot and it makes it rubs people the wrong way. Doesn't make them feel like they belong in any sense of the word. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible, like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, for the first time ever, with an AI powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go to market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com/service to do more for your customers today. Another challenge is if you categorize groups of consumers in a way that they don't identify with, you're going to run into trouble with a disconnect in the experiences that you deliver. So Amy Cheshire runs a fashion brand called Hey Gorgeous for plus-size women. And she and her team developed a deeper degree of intimacy for the women that they served. They realized the plus size label was problematic. Here's how she explained it to fashionista.com. She says, we find that a lot of women, especially the size 14, 16, do not identify themselves as plus size. So they are just living life as they are, and they can fit into some clothes and some clothes they can't. We also found that customers do not necessarily want the term plus in the name of the brand because then it will be calling them out to what they are and not everyone has embraced their size. As a result, Cheshire and her team stopped using the word plus size and eliminated it from their branding. While there can be many benefits to your brand for grouping different people together There are challenges that are associated with it that you should be aware of, and those are all the things that we just listed. But at the same time, labels can also be useful. I follow a gluten-free diet for health reasons. When I'm shopping for ingredients or at a restaurant grabbing food, I need to know what I can and can't eat. As I mentioned in episode number 12, we are not the same, so don't treat us the same. In Argentina, pregnant women are treated with so much care. When I was pregnant with Luna and I arrived back in Buenos Aires after a business trip to the longest customs line I had ever seen, I could have easily stood there for upwards of 90 minutes. But thankfully, one of the officers saw my pregnant belly and sent me to a shorter line that I sailed through in five minutes. Different categories of people need different things. And we can't give everyone what they need through our products, services, experiences, policies, practices, and programs if we don't take the time to figure out What those differences require. Categorizations and the data associated with them can help companies identify other challenges and issues, such as when they have a gender pay gap. They help them identify when their talent and their leadership teams are not representative of the populations they want to serve. And they help marketers figure out when their marketing is leaving certain customer groups out. I worked with one brand a few years ago who had data that showed that African Americans used their product the least, and had the least connection with the brand when compared to other races. As a result, they knew there was something about the experience they were delivering that didn't work so well for this particular group and needed to figure out how to change that. So I know this is a lot to take in. So let's talk a little bit about how you should think about and handle identities associated with your customers' differences. First up is to acknowledge the different identities of the people who have the problem your business solves. Inclusive marketing is all about acknowledging the many ways in which your customers are different, intentionally choosing who your brand will serve and authentically incorporating those diverse consumers throughout all phases of your marketing mix. The challenge is that most brands don't get specific enough with a definition of who their customer is. As a result, their marketing ends up leaving too many people out as they default to the most privileged identities. Getting clear about what those identities are and choosing the ones you will serve helps you get clear about the various ways you need to serve people with those identities to make them feel like they belong with you. When you look at many electronics brands, for instance, it's clear they've identified that the customers that they want to serve speak various languages. So they design products that support use with different languages. Nike has defined that those who identify as Muslim are included in the people who have the problem their brand solves. So once they decided they wanted to serve this group, they realized that Muslim women in particular needed something other women didn't, a hijab that worked for sport. Retailer ASOS saw that people who identified as having some form of disability use their products and that they wanted to serve them. So they worked to design product lines with them in mind and also put in policies to ensure their website and online apps were accessible. I worked with a woman uh, last year on a inclusive marketing intensive, and she told me that she wanted to make sure that people from the LGBTQ plus community felt like they belonged with her business. So she's working to ensure that she delivers experiences throughout her customer journey that make them feel that way. Another thing that you can do is to ask your customers how they prefer to be identified. And when I worked my corporate job, I worked on a brand that made insulin pumps and associated products for people with diabetes. We were careful throughout all our internal and external communications to refer to the people we were serving as people with diabetes rather than diabetics. We learned the distinction was a preference of those within the community, and we governed ourselves accordingly to respect them and their preferences. Now, Increasingly in professional settings, we're seeing people add their preferred pronouns to their names, such as she, her, he, him, they, them, for the purpose of letting others they encounter know how they identify and how they prefer to be referenced. Sometimes there is consensus about how people like to be identified, and other times it varies widely within a group. So whenever it comes to terms like Hispanic, Latino, and Latinx, or even Latine, which is a more gentle, neutral form of the term, there's a lot of disparity about the terminology that people are using, what people are comfortable with, what people have even heard of, and what people call themselves. So it's better always, when in doubt, ask the people that you're serving what it is that they prefer, how do they identify themselves, and then go with that. I was part of a panel discussion late last year for a market research summit for an on-demand consumer insights platform, Susie, where there were lots of chatter about capturing market research data and how to appropriately and respectfully ask questions related to gender. Many brands often like to break out their research data based upon gender. However, many of them define gender as male or female. So in an effort to be more inclusive of people, who don't identify as either or. Some brands started including other as an option, which didn't make people who fell into that category feel like they belonged. It made them feel like outcasts or afterthoughts. Most people don't want to be othered. Other brands added a selection for prefer not to say, and that wasn't quite right either as a third option. In the end, through their research, their research, they were asking consumers, Susie found that the preferred way to ask the question with the LGBTQ community was to say, what is your gender? Please select all that apply. Then they included responses for male, female, and prefer to self-describe. And one other thing that you can do is uncover any trends and outcomes based upon identity. This is where equity work comes into play. In a perfect world, the differences we have would not impact the degree of success we experience in various aspects of life. But unfortunately, we know this isn't the reality that we live in today. The outcomes or degree of success for certain categories of people, particularly those who have fewer degrees of privileges than others, tend to be lower. And as a result, those who want those outcomes to change Focus on shining a light on those inequities and working to put interventions in place to ensure people get what they need to succeed. That's what happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. Organizers wanted to shine a light on the differences in how the Black community is treated. and to call for large scale systemic changes to eliminate those disparities once and for all. As a brand that wants all the people you serve to achieve success, that means that some groups may need additional support than others to level the playing field and to help them get the results that they seek. Business is about belonging. Identity is a critical aspect of belonging. That's why it's essential that as a brand, the people you serve are able to see themselves reflected in your brand, but also thriving with your brand. Thus, if they can't find their identity adequately reflected If it feels miscategorized, lost, or struggling to get consistent positive outcomes, the people you serve who have some sort of difference won't feel like they belong with you. Identity matters. Don't take shortcuts with it. The people you serve will reward you when you take the time to get it right. That's it for today's show. If you need more help getting started building an inclusive brand, go ahead and grab my Inclusive Marketing Starter Kit. You can find it at inclusivemarketing.co slash starter kit. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend and even rate and review it in your podcast app of choice. It'll help get the word out so others can get going delivering inclusive experiences. Until next time, remember everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to make sure more people feel like they do. Somebody's waiting on you. Thanks for listening.